I asked Ernie to sing uh, If I Were a Butterfly today, but uh, I guess that wasn't going to happen. Uh, it's a privilege uh, to be here. It's so cool being here during VBS week. I have so many memories of Vacation Bible School. Uh, one of my earliest memories of this church, uh, there was a little, they got this little pool about this high and uh, put water in out front and we took off our shoes and we grabbed marbles with our toes. I have no idea what it was about, but it was a VBS thing and I remember that. And so uh, for any of you guys who are serving, is anybody here serving in VBS right now? Man, bless you guys. That's so cool. It's, uh, it's such an awesome thing to be a part of young kids getting to know Jesus. So I've um, been praying for you guys. Uh, man, I love this church. When I even just think about standing in this spot, um, it's really neat to think about just uh, some really amazing men have stood in this spot and had the privilege of teaching people God's word. And so uh, I hope to just uh, do a little bit of that tonight and, uh, and just bring God's word to you. And uh, so let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about uh, Psalm 119. Father, uh, it's in Jesus' name that we come before you and uh, we're privileged to be your servants. Uh, we're privileged, Lord, that you would draw us in to be friends. And Lord, we are super privileged that you would adopt us as your sons and daughters and that we get to call you dad. And so uh, we just want to draw close to you tonight as a father. Uh, we draw close to his kids. Lord, we want to enjoy fellowship with you. Uh, God, we pray that, uh, that for all those who are even serving, Lord, who might be tired right now, uh, that you would super naturally, Lord, just charge them so that they might be able to uh, tune in, to engage, and to hear what you'd have to say. So go before our time. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, that the words that I speak wouldn't be mine, but they would be yours, that they'd be spirit and they'd be life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know the other guys have uh, gone through the introduction part, and uh, again, it's really cool to be a part of this, this summer series. I think uh, what, the, what the world needs now more than ever is more of the Word of God. And uh, it's really cool to see, you know, just as I, I, I do a lot of, I, I wouldn't call it research, maybe it's just wasting time on the internet, but I, I read a lot of stuff about just the church in general. And I look at the church and there's kind of a fear that I have as I look around. I know I'm not the only one, but there's just this desire to drift and it's something that's natural uh, and it's easy to just not really press into the Word of God, especially when you look at just Western culture. There's this desire to say, well, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to believe everything, you know. We don't have to really, you know, press into that. And you hear a lot of talk about culture and how, you know, we got to be relevant to culture and we have to try to reach people first and then hopefully by osmosis uh, they'll become Christians. And uh, I, I don't see it in all of history. Uh, I see uh, when a great work of God happens, uh, the Word of God is given preeminence. And when the Word of God is held high as the standard, uh, people see it for what it is. Because everything else changes, right? Everything else in the world changes. Uh, things are always moving. They're in constant motion. But you find that solid foundation here in the Word. And so uh, when, my, when my dad, Pastor Zeke, said there was going to be a summer series, I go, that's, you know, that's cool, but I'm, I'm so Calvary, man. I, I've got Calvary in my blood. When I was in seventh grade, I started sitting in here in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings because uh, I was getting in trouble a lot in the junior high class. And so my mom, I just said, Mom, let me please get out of the junior high class. All I do is talk, and I just, I get in trouble. And everyone else talks, but I'm the one who gets in trouble, you know. Uh, it was one of those deals. And so my mom said, you can come in and sit under Pastor Larry, but you've got to take notes. And man, something happened. I, I developed such a love for the Word of God. And it was a little later that things really clicked. But, but I'm like, I love just chapter by chapter, verse by verse instruction out of the Word of God. And so when my dad said there was a summer series, I kind of like, oh, well, okay, um, let's hear more about that. You know, let me, I, I might need to warm up to that. And he said, it's through Psalm 119. I said, okay, I'm in. I'm so in. Because the longest chapter in all the Bible, the longest psalm, has to do with the Word of God. What the world needs more than anything else is the Word of God. And, and we know that uh, we don't know who the psalmist is exactly, whether it's David, one of the sons of Korah, whether it's Asaph, whether it's Moses, something it could be Ezra, uh, as they rediscover, you know, after they build the temple and, and the Word of God 
gets this place of preeminence again. Um, but it, again, it's interesting that it is about the word of God. It's not about God's love necessarily, his, great, his grace, his might, his power. It's not about worship. It's not about evangelism. It's just, it's about the word of God. And so that should tell us something, that the word of God needs to have a place of preeminence in our life. And last week, uh, I won't review what everyone's taught, but last week, Kevin's text, um, from, from the part I heard of what he taught, uh, he talked about kind of this broken man who gets revived by the word of God and how he's given strength. And so would you follow along with me? We're going to pick up in verse 41. We're going to go all the way through verse 56. The psalmist says, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation, according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I I seek your precepts. And I will speak of your testimonies also before kings. I will not be ashamed. And I'll delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. And I'll meditate on your statutes. Verse 49, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord. I have comforted myself. And indignation, indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my very songs uh, in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I keep your precepts. You see all those words, and I know those have been touched on. Things like God's word, ordinances, law, precepts, testimonies, commandments, He says his word again, law, judgments, you know, all those words show up, statutes and precepts, and I hope the guys have done a a pretty good job of defining those. We'll talk about a little bit of them tonight, but I kind of just want to go through, and I know uh, one of the things that we were talking about when we were sitting together planning and praying through this is we want to have a Bible study, but we also want to be real transparent about what the word of God has done in our lives, and I know it's just some testimony but, uh, but I think it's necessary to hear those things of what God's word has done uh, in a life. And, so, um, and then there's one area that I really see us camping tonight uh, as far as application goes. So we're going to kind of just roll through, uh, talk about these verse by verse. Then we'll come back, uh, talk about a little testimony, and then we'll, then we'll camp kind of in a, in a point of application. And so he says at the beginning, verse 41, let your mercies, we know God's mercy uh, is, is him, you know, not giving us what we deserve. We deserve wrath. We deserve uh, just punishment because we're a sinful people. But, but he says, let your mercies come also to me, Lord, your salvation, uh, being saved, right, from, from those things. According to God's word, uh, that, that word, word talks about uh, just God's command, uh, his speech, what God says. In verse 42, he says, uh, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust uh, in your word. Uh, we, we probably naturally would think of First Peter here. In 1 Peter, where he talks about in chapter 3, verse 15, you could turn over there real quick. In 1 Peter 3, 15, uh, you know, Peter, obviously knowing a lot about reproach, uh, knowing about difficulty, writing to a church that's uh, dealing with, uh, with persecution from the outside. Um, in 1 Peter three fifteen, he says this. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. And so he says that there, the psalmist back in Psalm says there's people who are reproaching and he's got an answer. Why does he have an answer? Because he knows what the word of God is. He, he hears what the word of God is. He, he stands on that sure foundation. It's been really interesting. Uh, I'm not a very learned guy. I, I don't have a lot of education uh, behind me. And I've been able to sit and talk with people and, and they'll ask me, hey, so like, where'd you go to college? Well, you know, I'm still technically taking a semester off right now, um, but uh, it's, it's been like 10 years, and I, I think uh, maybe a little more now. But, uh, but they go, well, that's surprising, because you, you actually sound like you know what you're talking about. 
I go, well, yeah, I, the only reason I know is I just study the Bible. That's like the only book I get to study, and that's the only book I know about. Um, I, I don't know. I may, there might be like five other books I've finished in my life, but most of them have just, it's mostly been the Bible. So he, he says that he has an answer, and he will have an answer. He says, I shall have an answer for him who reproaches me because I trust in his, in his word. And that, that word trust, it, it speaks about kind of putting your weight into something, right? Kind of like uh, all of us when we came in, we, we trusted in these chairs to hold us up. Right? And most of us didn't even think about it. You just kind of, you plop your weight down and you, you trust that that's going to hold you. And, and in the same way, we need to get to a point where we could trust the Word of God. That, that it's not an experiment to trust in the Word of God. Like, man, is this, gonna, is this really going to take? Is it going to work? Man, I, we've got so many guys. Uh, again, I, I think of my pastor. I've had two pastors in my life. Uh, I think of both Pastor Larry and, and Pastor Ray. That I, I've, I've watched two men lead churches, and they put their whole weight in the Word of God. There, there's no song and dance. There's no gimmicks. They just, they go, I've trusted. I've trusted in the Word of God, and it works uh, as it works in the life of a church, so it works in the life of an individual. And so he says, trusting in the Word. In verse 43, he says, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I've hoped in your ordinances. What are ordinances? They're these judgments. It's like a, it's like a verdict, a judicial term. It's like this formal decree and so he, he asks that that truth not be taken away from him. He wants to be able to be honest. In verse 44, he says, So shall I keep your law continually, forever and forever. That word law, we, we know it's, it's where we get the word Torah from, this, the, 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 the book that these Hebrews would study, uh, these first books of the Bible there. And, and he says, uh, I'll keep it continually. Isn't there a difference in, in doing something once and then making a habit of doing it? It's totally different, right? Uh, somebody, their senior quote in the yearbook one time was, uh, even a, a broken clock is right two times a day, right? And so even a broken clock can do the right thing twice a day, and that's one thing, but, but it's different if you have a clock that stays right all the time. It could be trusted, right? And so this guy says, he says, I'll, I will keep your law, I shall keep your law, continually, forever and ever. And it's this idea of temperance, right? That idea of temperance of someone who could be even keel, someone who doesn't get too high, they don't get too low. And aren't we like that sometimes in life? Sometimes in life, it's like the sky is falling and we're like, no, God, this is the living worst. I hate everything. And then the next day we get the job and we're like, oh God, you are so good. I never doubted you for a second. You're the best. And I remember my dad, I'd always call my dad uh, whenever I'd rejoice. I'd call him for things and I'd say, man, dad, God is so good. This is what happened today and this is what's going on. And he says, hey, that, that's cool, son. But he was just as good yesterday and you can't forget that. And I'd be like, well, thanks for raining on my parade, you know. But, but we have to, it's to continue on. And you know what you get is consistency. What this guy, he's looking at consistency here. That, that he says to be obedient continually, to keep the law. And how necessary that is, man, especially if you're a parent in here today, to consistently live for the kingdom. I've done student ministry for about 10 years now. I've worked with fifth and sixth graders, junior hires, and high schoolers for the last eight years. And it breaks my heart that some of these kids have parents who expect them to continually and forever and ever keep God's law. But they don't. And it's one of the most confusing things for our young people that they watch mom and dad go back and forth. And so may this be something to us tonight that we kind of take to heart and go, you know what? I want to be like the psalmist and say that I, I shall keep your law continually to be able to stand before the Lord and go, Lord, I will do this. I've decided to follow Jesus. Right, and we all know that song, no turning back, no turning back. I'm deciding, I'm, I'm resolving, I'm, I'm saying that this is my course and I will do this. And not to just look before the Lord and always go, well, you know, Lord, I, yeah, we all mess up. And, but to say, no, and the, and the psalmist doesn't really even leave room for that. He says, I shall keep your law continually, forever and ever. Verse 45, he says, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. These precepts are these appointments by God, things that have been mandated by God, uh, a rule that regulates behavior. 
And he says, I will walk at liberty. There is a freedom when you do what you are built to do. Freedom isn't just, I can run around and do whatever I want. That's not freedom. You're just a slave to liberty at that point. You're just, you just, oh, I can do whatever I want. And so you do whatever you want. And, and if someone says, hey, you can't do that, it's, it's really difficult. But true liberty, true freedom is when you do what you're built to do. You, know, you think of like a job, you go to work and, and this happens from time to time that, that maybe somebody quits or they leave and, and they're, or they're on vacation and so you get their workload on top of you. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah, it's miserable, isn't it? Uh, so all of a sudden you have all these things and you're trying to juggle and you're trying to move. You go, Man, this is so overwhelming. But yeah, but how fun. You get to do everyone else's job, right? And, but real freedom is when they take those things back and you go, look, I just have to do what I'm built to do. And it's this way with the word of God. It's this way with the word of God that if we would take what God has called us to do and he says, hey, I've called you to do this, you do this. And you do it, there's liberty. There's freedom to walk in who you are. And you don't have to try to be somebody else. That's one of the hardest things being a Bible teacher is uh, in this information age, uh, I hear a lot of good Bible teachers. And so I get really nervous when I come up to teach because I go, man, I'm, I'm not a lot of different guys. There's some guys I listen to them on podcasts and I just go, man, there's no way I can measure up to that. But because the word of God and because of his precepts, I can go and I can live what God's called me to live. And I don't have to be Damien Kyle. I don't have to be, uh, you know, John Randall. I don't have to be Greg Laurie or these super Bible teachers. I, I just, I could just be at liberty to be me. And the, and the more we get to know the word of God, the more God directs us into who we ought to be. In verse 46, he says, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. There's this confidence that's spoken up here. You know, to go stand before a king, that's no light thing. And he says, I will speak of your testimonies, of, of God's, uh, you know, it's like a, the, the idea of like a testimony you'd give before a court. And he says, I'll have no, no problem. I have this confidence. I can go stand before a king and speak what he asks me uh, to speak or speak whatever needs to be spoken. He says, and I'm not going to be ashamed of that. And, and the better we get to know the word of God, uh, the more we get that kind of confidence, not, not, pr- not pride, it's not an arrogance, but it's a confidence to say, I know, I know in whom I've believed. I know who God is. I know that this is true. And so, you know, I'm really blessed. Um, I, like I said, I've worked with high schoolers uh, that, that we have some high schoolers from our, our youth group, uh, and they go to about uh, six, seven, eight different schools in the area. And, uh, and uh, almost all of them, in one way or another, are plugged into their Bible clubs at their schools. And, and some of them are presidents of their Bible clubs, and they teach the Word of God on a regular basis. And they post up on their Instagram accounts about what God's doing in their lives. And I'm like, man, I didn't have even anywhere close to that kind of confidence in the Word of God when I was in high school. I, I was embarrassed of it. Why? But I, I didn't make it my life. And so this guy says that because he, he, he's going to be able to speak those testimonies, he's not going to be ashamed. Why? Because he trusted in the word of God. Verse 47, he says, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. This word delight speaks of a pleasure, of a joy that's found in something. And what's that joy found in? It's not found in liberty, you would think that's where it'd be found, right? That we're joyful when nobody tells us what to do. He finds joy, he says, in what God has commanded and what God has said, do this. You know, you, you think of God's commandments, you think of those 10 commandments and how if you study all through uh, the Pentateuch and those, you know, those first five books of the Bible, you study through those and there's like these, what, 613 laws. And it's like, Whoa, that's a lot. And this guy goes, I love it. I love it. This last time through the Bible for me, uh, as I'm going through, it's, it's been a little while now, almost a year, uh, when I was back in like Leviticus. And something happened this time through Leviticus, something so sweet. I fell in love all over again with the word of God when I looked at the holiness of God. And I was just like, and I, when I finished Leviticus, I just wanted to go back. And when I, and when I got out of Deuteronomy, when the, when the law is spoken another time, I was like, I, I don't want to go to Joshua. 
I want to go right back to Genesis. I want to jump right through the law of God again. There's something that happens when, when it, the word of God helps you to live and by the spirit of God to live this righteous life. And when your life kind of comes in line with that, there's this love, there's this joy, this pleasure, this delight that happens in the word of God. Verse 48, he says, my hands uh, also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. Again, the commandments are loved here. And he says, so he'll, he'll lift up his hands, uh, this idea of worship, of prayer, of communicating with God, lifting up his hands. And then he says, I'll meditate on your statutes. That word meditate, we're not thinking of this uh, Eastern uh, you know, mysticism type of meditation where we're emptying our minds of things, but it's this idea of the, cha- the cow who chews on the cud, right? We, we've learned that if we're Bible students, that, that to meditate means to really, it's to fill our minds with the things of God. And just like that cow, he, he goes, she goes and eats something and she chews it and chews it and chews it. And if, you know the story, huh? Uh, he chews and then they swallow it. And then what do they do? They regurgitate it. They bring it right back up and they chew it some more. And some more. And some of you are going, I haven't heard that before. Well, it happens. And, and so they will do this multiple times until they get every last bit of nutrients. And it's good. It's good. And it's good that we do this with the Word of God, right? It's not, it's, you know, there's times that we go, hey, God, you've got about 30 seconds this morning. Okay, good. And then we're off and out the door. Man, it's so much better when we could sit down with the Word of God and we can meditate on the word to take that idea that concept throughout the day god what does that look like in my life today am i doing that today what is it what does it mean am i meditating on your word and and when you think of the promises of god and this is what god has spoken and you take that that promise i will never leave you and forsake you you know maybe you read that in your devotions in the morning and you walk through the day and you go man i'm feeling kind of lonely and the lord goes why oh you're right you never leave me or forsake me here you are Lord, I got a rough decision coming up right now, but you say that those who, um, those who ask for wisdom, you'll give it liberally if I ask in faith. But as we meditate on the words, these promises become more real to us. And so my encouragement to you is to get a little Bible acid reflux and, and to burp that stuff up and to take it. But here's the thing. You know, maybe it's a little graphic, but you can't burp up a hamburger if you haven't eaten a hamburger, Right? You, you burp, if you ever had those days, that you just burp up nothing. And it's just kind of, it's not enjoyable. I, and maybe not, I guess the other way is not that enjoyable either. But, but what I'm saying is, you, you can't bring back what hasn't first gone in. And so this is why it's so important. I know Kevin kind of touched on it last week. That, that the Bible, though it's the bestseller, a lot of them sit around dusty. And we need to take the word of God and we need to meditate on it. We need to let it do something to our minds and to our hearts. There's a real transition here as we get into this next stanza because one of the things I'll, I'll, I'll have you notice in verses 41 through 48, a lot of the things that the psalmist does is he tells himself and he almost teaches himself and instructs himself of how he will behave in the present but also into the future. There, there's quite a few times, verse 42, he says, so shall I. Verse 44, so shall I. Verse 45, and I will. Verse 46, I will. The end of verse 46, and will. 47, and I will delight myself. Uh, 48, I will lift up your commandments, and I will meditate. Uh, they say that those guys who aim at nothing hit it every time. Right? This guy makes a plan. He's very deliberate in the way he does things. He says, I will do these things. He sets a course on how he does it. I think it's so necessary to set a course for how we're going to go. You know, Pastor Zeke's been talking about all this year, right? Stay the course. You got to know what the course is if you're going to stay it. You got to chart it out. These pilots, when they jump in an airplane, they go, well, let's see where we go. They're very detailed. On how they're, because the fuel is like, they, they make sure they cut it too close. You don't want to carry a bunch of extra weight around. And so they have enough fuel to get to their destination. If you're not careful, you, you could run out of fuel, right? We almost ran out of fuel on the way up here today. The thing said, one mile left till empty. I know. I'm never letting Ernie drive again. 
we were just talking, you know, rejoicing in the Lord. And before you know it, I peek over. I was like, dude, it says three miles. Turn around. Right when we were ready to climb up 138, man, it was nuts. But that's an idea of, you know, not making the right plan. <laughs> you got to chart your course. If I was smart, I would have fueled up before we even left. And that's what happens in life, isn't it? That we become so reactive in life. We're, we're reacting to everything because we don't have these plans. The Bible says that diligence is man's precious possession. I like to chart out for myself where my devotions are going to go. I like to chart out uh, my year. I like, to, I'm a, I like to plan. And I like to make those plans right there with what the Word of God is leading me to do. And so may that be something for us today that we go, I will do this. To have that resolve and to have that planning and to say, I'm going to do this. And you might fall short. That's okay. God's gracious. He's merciful. And, and good thing, his love doesn't depend on how faithful we are to him. But man, we ought to chart a course to say, I will do these things. Moving into verse 49. He says, remember the word to your servant upon which you've caused me to hope. Not that God's forgetful, not that he needs to be reminded, but I think the psalmist is reminding himself of what's going on, and he he talks about this hope. And so many times when we see the word hope in the Bible, it speaks of uh, of a future when we're when we're with the Lord. And he and he says, "That's where my hope is. My my hope is in who you are and in what your promises are." And so remember your word. Verse fifty, it says, "This is my comfort." In my affliction, for your word has given me life. He, he speaks of a comfort here. And in the next, uh, even verse 52, he speaks of comfort. We have a God who, who knows how to comfort. And he talks about affliction here. He talks in verse 51 about uh, being in derision, great derision, that he's being ridiculed, he's being scorned. But he's going to comfort himself in God's word, God's law, and God's judgments. There's a verse, and I know it's not mine to teach, but in verse, 80, verse 82 and 83 of Psalm 119 are some of my favorite verses. Um, whenever I get a new Bible, that's one of the first ones I go underline because there was a season in my life when I was absolutely devastated, brokenhearted. I, I was kind of at my wit's end, didn't know what to do, didn't know what God's call was for my life, or maybe I doubted God's call in my life. I doubted the future. I didn't know what to do. And I just go, man, I know where to go get comfort. I'm going to go seek seek the Lord. And I sat down with my Bible and I read. And by the time I got to verse 82, it said, my eyes fail from searching searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? I've become like a wineskin in smoke. And then what he tells himself to do, he says, but I'm not going to forget your statutes. And that's what it kind of speaks to, verse 50 through 52. He talks about this comfort that he says, man, I'm in affliction. I'm in great derision. I'm being ridiculed. You ever been ridiculed for being a Christian? It's kind of tough. And it's easy to just go, you know what? Maybe I just won't go so hard on this. Maybe I'll I'll back off a little bit. Maybe I'll take it easy. Turn the heat, you know, down just a little bit. There's affliction, there's derision, but there's comfort. It comes from the Word of God. It comes when we could claim the promises of God in our life, when you know the Word so well that you could just comfort yourself. And we see this so often in the Psalms, especially with David, when he's in the midst of running for his life, when he's in the midst of just just chaos and difficulty, that he starts out and he's like, Lord, when are you going to help me? What's going to happen? And then he like switches a little bit, you know, just onto like one of God's attributes. And he starts thinking of who God is. And and then all of a sudden he worships himself right out of it. And that's what we're talking about here. That we'd be able to go to the word of God and worship ourselves out of difficult situations. And not to escape difficult situations. We all have to go through them. And and I'm not saying there's not a time to weep and to mourn and, and to hurt. And there are times for that. But I think there's sometimes, and I work with youth kids, I know how this works, that when they're having a bad day, they're really good on the iPod, t- 
to like put some music on that'll keep them in that mood, right? And some of you might be saying, that's silly. Well, it's the way they are. And I think we could do things that keep us in a place of just like, you know, I'm just going to kind of be melancholy right now. I'm going to kind of just be bummed out for a while. I'm really not going to do anything. And it's like, man, if, you, if we could really wrap our minds around the promises of God and what God desires to do in what he's done, man, I, I, I on my prayer list on, on purpose, uh, on the top of my prayer list for every day of the week, I have one of God's attributes, whether it's his omnipotence, whether it's his omnipresence, whether it's just his holiness, his love, his, his self-existence, whatever, his, his being the, 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 the uncreated one, you know, all these things that God is. I start my day just focusing on those things. And then throughout the day, when I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, it's usually the day that I have talked about to the Lord and, and praised him for being omniscient. It's like, but you knew, so I guess I could find comfort in that. And there's comfort in the word of God. And the cool thing is, is that when we will be comforted by the word of God, we don't need to go looking elsewhere for comfort. I I remember somebody, you know, and I'm not down on this, but I remember a guy teaching saying, you know, John the Baptist didn't have an accountability partner. He just knew who God was. And again, I'm not down on accountability, but it's like there's, there's times in the Christian walk where you kind of walk alone a little bit. I, I don't suggest doing it for a long period of time. Don't isolate yourself. But there are times that you need to be able to just you and Jesus have time together. You and Jesus enjoy each other and let, and let him be your comfort. And I have to guard myself. Uh, I have a pretty good dad. <laughs> I got a really good dad. And so, and I got a really good friend right here. And, and my, my first thing when there's things to rejoice about or I need like ministry type counsel. I, I'll call my dad or I'll call Ernie. Hey, what do you think about this? Or this person did this and I need to, I need to you know, whatever. And the Lord has to remind me, hey, I'm here to comfort you. I want to be your comfort. I want to be your strength. And we need to learn what it means to know the word of God, the law of God, the judgments of God, so that we can be comforted in difficult times. In verse 53, he speaks of indignation, like this righteous anger. He he says, it's taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. There are things that it's okay to get angry about. There are things that break God's heart. And I think of that song, I think it's a Hillsong song where they say, break my heart for what breaks yours. It's okay to have this righteous anger. We need to guard ourselves though. Because it's easy to take that a little bit far, right? And we have to remember that vengeance is the Lord's and it's his to, to, to dole out. But it's okay to be uh, angry at the things that anger God. Like when David says, Lord, don't I hate them with perfect hatred? You know, those who are so contrary to you, those who rise up in evil against you. I think we need a little bit of that sometimes that we would be able to say, that's not right. That's not of God. It's not okay. We're not going to stand for it. We need to be led by the Lord. We need to, to understand God's word, know God's character and nature, not just, you know, take one verse and go, you know, throw rocks with it. But, but he says, indignation's taken hold of him. He says in verse 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Understanding that he's a sojourner in this life, he says that God's statutes his boundaries, his, his portion, his set times, the tasks that God has given, these statutes of God, it's his song. There's something sweet about music, huh? How it could change our moods or this worshipful attitude. Again, being able to worship ourselves right through. That's what gets this guy through. Verse 55, he says, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. says that in the night, you know, in the night there's just, I don't know if you ever get what I do when you finally lay down and you finally have some time with your thoughts. Uh, there could be like these, oh man, I got to do this and this needs to happen. And, and there's like overwhelming stuff can start happening. And he, he says in the night, um, I remember the law of the Lord. And just as it's good to start our day with the word of God, I think of Psalm chapter one, when he says that, that this man 
of God, this man who has good success, uh, he says that his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates in it both day and night. And just as it's important to start our day with the word of God, it's good to end our day with the word of God. It's good to take the things of God and kind of wash over ourselves all the filth uh, from the day. You know, all of us walk around all day long and we go places and we do things and we see things and we go, man, I just need to wash my mind at night. Just like it's good to take a shower, you know, uh, and just wash, you know, just life off. It's good to do that with the word of God that in the, in the night we'd remember the Lord. And he says, this has become mine because I've kept your precepts. When, when he says that this has become mine, uh, some translations say, this is my way of life. My way of life is the word of God. I remember a long time ago, I don't remember when it was, but I was, I was uh, a kid, maybe junior high at the oldest, and I remember somebody asking my dad something, a kind of uh, maybe controversial thing, and they go, Zeke, what do you think about it? And he goes, I don't think anything about it. What does the Word of God say about it? No, 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 we don't want to hear the Bible. What do you think about it? He goes, I don't have an opinion. I believe the Word of God. That's all I'm going to stand on. I've had the privilege of growing up in the house that I grew up in. I had two parents who took the word of God really seriously. That even when my dad used to plaster swimming pools and he woke up at 3.34 in the morning, he still spent time with Jesus and in his word. My, my dad's read the Proverbs like every morning for the last 35 years. He's wise. He, he's made it his life. You know, when I, and there's certain people I think of, and I, you read that verse, this has become mine. This is who I am. This is my life. What would I do without the word of God? Where would I be? You think of Peter who says, where else can we go? We got nothing else in this life. If you were to take my Bible and I couldn't have a Bible, would I be okay with that? Would I just be like, well, I guess I'll just do something else in life. Or would I just be so devastated, so heartbroken? Man, it makes me think, man, I ought to memorize more verses just in case that ever happens. I want to be able to just wash myself in the Word continually. And this kind of gets me to the place of just personally, what has the Word of God done in my life? I'll tell you, just like I said, any great work of God comes when the Word of God is given a place of preeminence. Well, so too, usually in the darkest times of human history, it's because the Word of God is not given its proper place. And, and I don't care if it's for a day or if it's for two days or if it's for 10 years, you stop pressing in and you stop enjoying the word of God and you stop communing with God through the scriptures. Our default is wickedness and we will slide back. And that's what it says in Hebrews, right? Give the more earnest heed to the things that we've learned lest we what? Drift away. Happens every year we take the kids to the beach. We take the youth kids to the beach every summer. And you guys know the illustration that the tide always pulls. And last year we were at the beach and, uh, and, I, and I, I had to watch. Somebody let some kids come with us. And, and, and so they're like, oh, can you watch the kids? I'm like, come on, I want to, okay, I'll watch the kids, you know. And, and so I'm in the water and they're just kind of in front of me and we have our tent. And so I made sure that I was in line with the tent the whole time because I didn't want to lose these kids. And as soon as I'd see the kids drift just a little with the, with the current, hey, you know, I think his name was Andrew. Andrew, get back over here. And he'd, he'd come back over. And the youth kids were just kind of playing around, and they're, you know, 30 feet, 40 feet out into the water. And I'm the whole time just making sure, and it didn't take a lot of work, just making sure I stayed with my tent where our group was with this little kid in front of me, right? But I had to pay attention to do that. After about 35, 40 minutes, the kids were you know, not just 50 feet away, not just 100 feet away. They were like 200 feet away. And so I'm like, hey, hey, get over here, you know? And, and they can't hear a thing. They can't even hear my voice anymore. And, I, and I'm here to try to be their responsible person for them. And hey, get over here. And they can't even hear me. So now I got to, you know, send another kid who's close. It's like, hey, get over here. He comes over. Hey, go down there and talk. So he has to run down the shore. And do you see all the work this is taking? Do you see how this kind of... That what happens is these guys, it's not like they're like, we hate Daniel. We're getting away. It wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. They love me. <laughs> but they drifted. And it was a gradual process of just not paying attention and not being diligent. 
And they slowly but surely drifted away to a point where they could no longer hear my voice. And so I had to send someone out to go get them. And for them to get back took a ton of work. Now, this is where the analogy maybe breaks down a little bit. Because thankfully with the Lord, he doesn't make us enter, you know, this 27-step program to get back where we used to be. It's so easy. We just say, Lord, help me. You know, you think of Peter when he was walking on water, and all of a sudden he looks around and he starts sinking. And what does he say? He just calls, Lord, help. And what does the Lord do? He grabs him, boom, right there. And so isn't it beautiful to know that, that all we have to do is say, Lord, would you help? Guys, the word of God has meant so much in my life. I got serious about reading my Bible. As soon as I graduated from high school, I rededicated my life to Jesus driving to my high school graduation in June of 2002. And I I worked a job in Corona that summer. And every morning I would wake up, I'd read a proverb. I'd get home from work. I'd read the New Testament before I took a shower. I'd go to take a shower. And then before I'd go to bed at night, I'd read the Psalms. Something happened in that summer. I started learning how to hear God's voice. And then I moved away from here. I moved to Norwalk, got plugged into a church, and I'm so grateful for the church I got plugged into. There was no flashy things. There was, I got there, actually. I'm like, this, is, this might be the ugliest church I've ever been in. <laughs> and I came from a church that was a warehouse, right? <laughs> but I got in there, and I just go, you know, the, the lighting's bad. Everything's bad. You know, it's just, it, it, it's, but soon, after just a short time, I found out, you know what? These guys take the word of God seriously. I started getting involved, getting into leadership, serving, and, and one of the things that my pastor has always been so good at, Pastor Ray, is he'll ask, and he's, hope he never listens to this, but he's pretty awkward sometimes. <laughs> he's, he's not like this just super, you know, charismatic guy. And so he'll just say, hey, how you doing? What's the Lord showing you? And you can't just like laugh it off because he just got that awkward stare. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, and I realized, it, he's, he asked because he cares, that he wants to know that his leaders are in the word of God every day. He wants to know they're hearing from Jesus. Pastor Greg, one of the assistants up there, he would always always. You've been in the Word? Yeah, of course. What'd you read? Uh, you know, Jesus, he loves me. And, and, and I, but I learned to get into the Word of God, and something happens when we get into the Word of God, because it's food. It's nutrients to us. We, we, I hope you don't come to church to get entertained, That's not what it's about. It's coming in and it's feeding on the word. It's getting the word of God into you. You know, I I don't remember every meal my wife has ever cooked me in the last six years, but I'm sure grateful she makes me meals. Now, there are some meals, it's like, whoa, that was the most amazing meal. Can we have that again? And sometimes church is that way. Sometimes you sit in and you, you get this Bible teacher. You know, I think of like guys like John Randall. I'm like, amazing, that's incredible. But sometimes it's not that, and that's okay. You know what it is? It's food that we need, and it helps us to mature. I've gotten to watch that now, having little kids, that you feed them right, they're going to grow. But if they don't eat right, they'll be anemic. And so the Word of God has, to me, been food, and it's created maturity. It's directed my path. The Word of God has directed my path, that there were times that it's not like these just whimsical ideas that go, boy, I, I think I want to do youth ministry. You know, I, I think growing up in the house I grew up in, I knew youth ministry. That was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. And, but, but through the word of God and spending time with Jesus, he directed my path. And he does that. And like I mentioned earlier, the word of God has been a source of great comfort in my life. And I know that I'm probably getting short on time. I'll just blame my dad for having that extra time of prayer. I hope you could bear with me for just a few more minutes. But the verse that I really wanted to camp on tonight was verse 47. 
In verse 47, he says, I will delight myself in your commandments. What does it mean to delight? To find great pleasure. And so my question and application tonight is, do we, as God's people, delight in his commandments? Can we say like the psalmist, I delight in your commandments and I love them. Do you love the word of God? Do I love the word of God? And so it's easy to say, well, of course, I'm here on a Thursday night. Look how many people aren't here on a Thursday night. It's obvious I love the word of God. Is it obvious that we love the word of God? You know, coming to church is, yeah, it's difficult. I'm I'm sure it's difficult to get here on a Thursday night. It's difficult to get to a prayer meeting. It's difficult to get to church on a Sunday morning when you've got kids and you're trying to, you know, it's like, yeah, it's easier to stay home. But church attendance isn't the only thing we use to gauge whether we love the Word of God or not. This is a really good bulletin that someone once told me. He says, people do what they love to do. It's pretty simple and straightforward. People will do what they love to do. So if, if you love baseball, I'm a big baseball fan, you will find a way to watch baseball, right? Even if that means, you know, figuring out how to work the DVR thing so that you could watch your baseball game when you get home. Or you'll save money to go and watch baseball. Or you'll go, or whatever, the, whatever it is that you enjoy. You'll find a way to go do that thing. I remember when, um, when Letty and I were just dating and I worked construction at the time, and uh, I would get up at about 4.30 in the morning. I'd work till about 3.30 in the afternoon, and I could not wait to get off of work because all I want to do is go find a way to hang out with her. And we'd stay up and drive around and talk, and then as soon as, as, soon as we would part, we'd get on the phone together. And we'd be on the phone till about midnight to sometimes 2 in the morning. And then I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and I'd feel a little badly. But do you know what? It was worth it. It was totally worth it, <laughs> right? It was totally worth it. And, and, and it's these things that what, what you really want to do, you will do. And so I ask people, do you love the word of God? Of course I love the word of God. Do you read it? Well, sometimes. But you don't love it. You will do the things that you love. And so my question to us tonight is, do we love? Because it's easy to put our affections into other things. And not necessarily bad things. Of course, there's bad things that we could do. And, and so naturally we go, yeah, I want to repent of those things. I don't want to do those things, right? I'm a sinful man. I want to stay away from my sin. That's, but, but then we could make a, a mistake of, of finding a little bit of liberty and then, and then really becoming enslaved to the fact that we're allowed to do these things. And it could be things that are totally fine. Again, I had a very unhealthy relationship with baseball that I, would, I watched it all the time. I studied it all the time. One of the first full books I read was a Ted Williams book. If you know baseball, he, he's, a ba- he's not a writer. He's a baseball player. It was called The Science of Hitting. That's, that was one of the first books that I read. Why? Because I loved it. I studied it. I would watch it. I learned how to play uh, first base by watching J.T. Snow play first base. Some of you go, I don't even know who J.T. Snow is. I do. Why? Because I love baseball. And I would find a way, whatever I could do. Some of you, if you've been at this church a long time, I remember, I think Craig used to ask me this, or maybe it was Jeff or Gary, that they would know the Dodgers were playing on the East Coast if I came to first service on a Sunday. I'd wake up early to come, and they'd go, are the Dodgers on TV later? I'd go, you bet. So I'd come to church first service so I can get back in time to watch the first pitch. You do what you love to do. And so whether it's a sport, whether it's an extracurricular activity, uh, whether it's a hobby, whether it's education, whatever it is, we, we find time for these things. And they're not bad things, but we have to say, what is the best thing? It's to put ourselves in a place where we delight in the Word of God. Here's the thing. Pastor Ray has been saying this recently. There are these kind of four pillars of our church, the Word, Prayer, Worship, and Missions. He says, I want to be able, when I die, to say that man was about those four things. He goes, and it'll be a good life. To say that I made my life about the word of God. I made time for it. I studied it. I lived it. I was a man of prayer, and we were a church who prayed. That that guy, Pastor Ray, has run the Thursday night prayer meeting. Our midweeks on Wednesday back home, uh, 
the, the prayer meetings on Thursday night. He has run that prayer meeting on Thursday nights, every Thursday night, with the exception of maybe two or three a year. Every Thursday night, he's there to pray for the last 15, 16, 17 years. He's a man who prays. Yeah? We're a church of worship. He's a man of worship. He has close to no musical ability. Am I, I, yeah, Ernie can vouch for that. Kai, I hope he never listens to, can we edit this in some way? But he loves to worship so much, he's taught himself how to play the guitar and how to play the bass. He's learned how to sing a little bit because he just wants to be a man of worship. But one of the things he's been saying, and missions, he's gone on more mission trips than just about anybody else in our church. He just wants to be out there. He's like, I just, if I'm a man of the word and a man of prayer, I will naturally be a man of worship and of missions. And those are the things that this guy holds dear to his life. But you know what he's been saying lately? He says, this is not an experiment anymore. It's proven. It's, it's not an experiment. Like, will this work good in my life? You have Psalm chapter one, who says that this man will be, will, you know, he will excel, he'll be successful in anything he does. In, in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, he says, Joshua, if you'll do these things, you will have good success. Guys, it's not an experiment as to whether or not it'll work. It's just, are we diligent enough to say, I will do these things. I will make myself delight in these things. I will force myself to enjoy the word of God. I'll tell you, if you don't delight in the word of God right now, keep doing it. But I don't like it. Keep doing it. I don't, didn't like bell pepper. I just kept eating it. Do you know what? I love bell pepper now. And there was a time I hated with all my heart to read. I hated reading my Bible. I, have, I wish I had more time to read my Bible now. I've learned to love it. I've learned to love the commandments of God, his statutes, his precepts, his ordinances. I've learned to love those things. And so may we be a people who press in to the word of God men and women who teach ourselves to get into the Word of God, to be diligent, to plan time to study the Word of God, to make sure we're, we're, we're in a place on Sundays and Thursday nights where we're going to be taught the Word of God, but that the Word of God would be just paramount, that it would be just, it would be it for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. Lord, you have been so kind God, you have been so kind to us to preserve your word through the ages that we might be instructed in godliness, that we would get to know your law and what you say is okay, what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. Lord, we thank you that you've instructed us. You've spoken to us as a man speaks to a friend. Lord, you are so good. You are so loving. So God, may we be people who delight in you. May we find our pleasure in you and in your word. Lord, I pray for all of us, every one of us in this room right now, that even tonight there would be an excitement to go home and get in the word. Lord, that, that this would become like our midnight snack. Lord, those nights that we're up that we can't sleep, Lord, that we would comfort ourselves with your word. Lord, we want to make much of you in our lives. So help us to love your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks.